Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Conquering Stress Podcast. This is Dr. Bill Janishak, and um, welcome. I'm really happy that you guys are taking the time just to spend some a little time to learn a little bit more about stress with me. Um, so I've been having a great time doing the podcast. We've been having a, you know, trying to get, a, like I said, it's a big topic. And we've been covering, you know, stress from all angles. Stress is physical, it's chemical, it's emotional. And we've been trying to get, you know, if you look at episode one, we've talked about uh, what stress is, how it affects the body. Uh, episode two was more about what, how to be prepared for that. And so, you know, my whole premise here is to have you conquer stress and not just put up with it when it, when it happens. And I, I do believe in that. I believe that the stronger you are physically, chemically, and emotionally, the more you're going to be able to bounce back and be prepared. It's actually, it's a physiological fact. However, there are occasions in our life when, you know, we can eat right, we can exercise, we have great mindset, and shit happens. It can be you wake up one morning and the IRS has taken your bank account. You uh, wake up another morning and your spouse is gone. You can have uh, a move or even a death in the family that just comes, seems to come from out of nowhere. And these are the big life things that will happen. Like I said, if you're prepared for that, you're going to be able to bounce back that if you have a good toolbox. Um, however, once you're in the fire, I don't really care how prepared you are. It's just really going to suck. Mm -hmm. And unless you have something, some references to, to build on on that, it's going to be tough. So that would brought me to bring you my best buddy. Um, we have Bob Donnell. Bob, say hi. Hi. Oh, see, he does that so well. But let me introduce you a little bit. Bob is a, a human behaviorist. And um, you may, what's a human behaviorist? That's somebody that, that kind of looks at things. We call Bob the fixer. There's celebrities, there's, you know, professional athletes, a lot of people that you may know that get in trouble. Um, that they call Bob. Uh, it's the guy on the ledge with that's getting ready to jump. It's the person with the gun to their head that say, I'm gonna get this all over. That's where Bob comes in, in those acute situations, and these are the big hairy ones, to talk him down, to get him off the ledge, to when life seems hopeless, and again, it happens to everybody, so don't feel lonely if you're going through it now. But I thought that it, well, I knew when I started the podcast that I, I had to have Bob on, but I wanted to give some background on what stress is and, and that there's ways to handle it. But um, the, Bob's work is nothing short of magical because, like I said, we've all been in those situations when it just seems like nothing goes right and just life is just it's, doesn't seem worth living at this point because it's nothing but a big crap pile. Um, and you, you need to have some insight on what to do when that happens because, like I said, it, it's going to happen. People die. Bad things happen. 
um, I want you guys to have some insight on how to be pre prepared. So I, I'm excited for you to kind of listen to the stuff that I get to hear all the time. So without further ado, Bob, how you doing, buddy? Hey, Bill, doing great. I appreciate you having me on the show. Yeah, no, I like I said, I've been saving you. I've been I've been trying to get you on. And um, in fact, this is the second time that we've done this interview because of my uh, wonderful expertise in uh, technological savvy. Um, our first interview is floating out in the, somewhere in the cloud. And um, it was good. It yeah, was it was awesome. And, I, and I'm trying, to, trying to, to recapture that magic that we had. So most people don't, me and Bob, we've been friends for years. We have lunch every, every week and we just talk about stuff and it's funny people always ask why do you have lunch every week do you have something to talk about i said yeah i said you know we like to share and um i won't i won't go into that because that's a that's a whole different podcast about the you know you are the average of the five people that you hang around with the most the most thank you jim Rohn. um but it's true and i think we can kind of balance each other out those yeah. weekly yeah. habits kind of ground both of us sure sure and i think it's happened but i, I want to talk about your expertise and um how how does somebody become a human behaviorist let's i know your story but why don't you tell your story a little bit about how you got where you got where you're at yeah you know i mean it's it's been a accumulation of you know uh now about 40 years of just studying human behavior why did I start studying human behavior at 15 years old? Because a gentleman asked me one day, what do I want to be when I grow up? I said, I have no idea. Why are you asking a 15-year-old? <laughs> what he knew was my mom had just been diagnosed with cancer and was going to die. It was supposedly was going to die in six months. She lasted two years. But, but he knew that I was going to be, you know, without a parent. And she was my only parent. Don't know anything about my dad. So my only parent was going to be gone in what the doctors believed was going to be six months. And so that's, I think, what led him to ask me that question. But I said, well, I don't know what I want to be. And he says, well, you can learn a product, a service, or an industry. Or you can learn something that controls every product, service, or industry. And I said, what's that? And he said, human behavior. If you understand why people do or don't do the things that they do, you will be successful and helpful in any product or service or industry. I said, sign me up. Kind of tongue-in-cheek, but then I became a peer counselor. And then at 19, I founded my nonprofit organization working with suicide prevention crisis management. I had a board of directors of psychologists, psychiatrists, marriage, family therapists, sergeant narcotics, LA County PD, uh, an attorney, some different people. It was great. Then you think, well, how did, how did you what did you do with that? Well, what I did with that was a blessing because of my, my, my board of directors. What they agreed to do was work with any person I brought to them, adult or kid, kids. And they said they will work with them for free on one condition. And that is that I, I sit in on every session or, uh, that they give away. So in the course of about four years, I probably sat in 250, 300 different sessions. Um, one of my friends who's a PhD said, Bob, your PhD is better than mine. <laughs> Um, his PhD's from USC, and he says, but you've got tactical and practical for an ongoing basis. I had a lot of classroom, then some tactical, then some, a lot of classes. Um, so that was my education. That's how I got started. And really, from then, every job I ever had, every consulting that I was ever brought in, it was always with the, with the understanding of 
how can I learn about how people behave in different environments? And so 40 years later, I've uh, witnessed a lot. And 20 years later, as you know, 21 years later, my daughter died. And, and uh, I kind of gave up all the consulting stuff and said, who you are is more important than what you do. And uh, so the last 21 years has been really focusing on people on who they are first, then giving them the skill sets to, to get better results. Okay, and you, 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 you made the same blunder that, um, that you did the first time, is you, you kind of yada over your daughter's passing. Um, so, I know you, and there's two or three people listening right now. <laughs> so, I don't know how many people are listening at this point. But go back to the story with, with Macy. Yeah. I think and that's I important. <clears throat> I had a three-year-old daughter named Macy who was um, riding in the backseat of the car that I was following home. And um, so she was, she was asleep in the backseat and um, there was a car accident that I witnessed and um, she wasn't breathing. So I pulled her out and breathed for her until the paramedics got there, uh, but she ended up dying. So one month short of her third, third birthday and um, lost everything I owned, was living in my car, trying to piece things back together. It was during that time that I said, okay, Really, I want to start with the foundation. Who you are is more important. Um, I can teach you how to sell more, be more productive, time management, all that stuff. But it's really a new point if you're screwed up on the inside. So let's fix that. Let's work on that. Then we'll add on in the missing pieces. And so that's what I've been doing. So and this is what I want to bring a, a, across about. You've had all this training. Uh, you got your uh, street PhD. You're, you're dealing with people you like that, and then something devastating happens to you. Like I yeah. said, it's going to happen to all of us sometime. And losing a child is unimaginable. I mean, the pain and the what you must be going through. So when you're and you've lost everything, you're living in your car. You're basically Bob the homeless guy. And you've had you've lost your daughter. Let's give the audience what what happened in your head, because there's that that point we all can come to that you're going to make a decision which way you're going to go. Yeah. So what what was that moment like when you said, "No, I'm going to get out of this. I'm going to get my head straight." I mean, it's nice to say that, but how exactly did you do that? What, what did you do? You know, I think one of the first points was, uh, you know, people would always say, what are you, you going to do, Bob? What are you going to do? Bob, what are you going to do? I mean, I was asked over so many, and I finally just got fed up, and I said, look, I've only got two choices, roll over and die or fight. So which one do you think I'm going to do? Like, well, you're going to fight. And I go, that's right. So that was kind of the pivotal moment, but I had, you know, they had asked me so many times that I was just like, I'll get through it, whatever. And it was that whole decision of I'm going to do this with willpower or I'm going to do this with something stronger than willpower. And most people do everything out of willpower, what I've learned. And willpower will get you through maybe one, two, three, maybe a year, but then all of a sudden you fall back into the, the, the patterns. So when willpower collides with patterns, patterns win. And so what I did was I said, how do I create new patterns? And then I started putting the other the seven pillars for mastering your psychology or your inner game. 
And then that's what I started doing was piecing those pieces back together to say, how do I develop uh, an inner game of psychology that can weather this? Because it had weathered a divorce. It had weathered, you know, raising kids. It had weathered, it had weathered a lot of things. But what it hadn't been, the foundation hadn't been poured to weather this. And so a lot of times when people say, well, you know, I've got a really good inner game. I've got a good psychology. I mean, I'm really good at topping my sales on top of this, top of that. But, but there's going to be something in your area where you're not. Your inner game is only strong enough to support, or your psychology is only strong enough to support the results you're getting. If you're not getting in college support those, big, those bigger results, different results. So that's what I did. I had to go back and say, okay, yeah, my psychology was great for all of this, but this whole new ball game, I need to create a psychologist. All right, so back up and say that again. Your audio went out a, a, um, a little, but I think it's important that that we clearly hear about your psychology and your results. So can you repeat that? Yeah, your, your, your inner game must be strong enough to, um, to support the results that you desire. So you want to make more sales, it's going to take more sales calls. Your psychology, your inner game has to be able to support those more sales calls or you'll never get the end result you want, which is more sales. So you might be able to do that. So people think my inner game is. And I say, look at your results. That's what your inner game is, is able to support. If it was able to support more, you'd be doing more. So what we need to do is build the foundation, your inner game, based on the desire you want, you have. And then we start creating a pattern that aligns with, and that's when we begin to get. Okay, cool. That, um, that, I think that's important. And the thing that I want to talk about and just kind of reiterate what's happening here is when I talk about conquering stress and building, getting your toolbox full of, of things, this is exactly the time that it's for. And this is, this is for everybody listening is that, you know, Bob had all that, that history of human behavior and the 250 or 300 sessions that he sat in that he had that, that foundation to go to. And so when life finally gave you a shit sandwich and you're laying there, you had, you know, like you said, you had two choices. You could roll over and die or you could fight. Well, this is why it's important. This is why the, this podcast exists. This is why my office exists. And this is why, you know, all the things to get you better exist is because if you don't know how to fight or if you don't have right. the tools to fight, you only have one choice at that point is to roll over and die. Right. And some people consciously and subconsciously will do that because there's, they don't, they don't have anything. Their inner game can only support their results. And if they don't have the inner game to go forward, they're going to be kind of jacked. Right. So um, I, I think that's pivotal. So let's say someone's listening right now and they're just going, oh, I don't know why this, you know, the, they stumbled across this podcast going, what to do when it's just, I can't do anymore. So what's the first thing you would tell somebody? If you tell one of your clients, how do they break it? What do, what do they do? What's the first step? 
Yeah, I mean, there's several, there's a, it's definitely a process. I think one of the first steps that I in, encourage people to realize is that, um, that the level of intensity that you're feeling about the situation must be overcome with a greater level of intensity about the desire that you have to overcome it. Uh, you know, um, I, was, I was working with a young man who got jumped and uh, stabbed in the back and broken jawline and broken portable socket. And, and he was being interviewed by the police about the, the people that jumped him. And they said, and I remember the police officer saying, you know, do you understand why you're alive? And the young man says, no, what? And he goes, the reason you're alive is because their desire to kill you was overshadowed by your desire to live. Wow. And I remember thinking, that's exactly right. And, um, you know, sometimes I think about every situation we had, you know, we wake up and we feel like, oh, we're just tired. Okay, well, if we can meet or exceed that with a an, an emotion or that will create a physiological response for us as you teach that um that yes i'm tired and yet i want xyz result greater and our emotion is stronger towards that it's going to pull us towards that but if we need it with the same or less chances are we're going to succumb to whatever that emotion is so i wake up i'm tired and I go, i'm just tired i just don't feel like it but what am i going to probably do probably going to stay in bed a little bit longer probably not going to have the emotional currency that we have to that we need to spend in order to get out of bed in order to get in the car in order to go to the gym in order to work out at the gym and not just stand there looking at ourselves in a mirror we have to have that emotional currency so i would say the first thing we have to do is we have to realize what emotional currency we're at and what is the emotional currency that's going to be required for us to get a different result that's first second thing is i look at uh, you know the, the process of realizing the law of acceptability whatever becomes acceptable becomes inevitable once we realize that, then we say, how long has this been acceptable for me to be overweight, to be stressed out, to be exhausted, to be, you know, emotionally basket case, to be angry all the time? How long has this been acceptable? And then because once it became acceptable, it became inevitable. So now we say, okay, how can I make a different outcome acceptable? And that's the second part is how do we make happiness, joy, stress-free, um, you know, results driven, all those things. How do we make that acceptable? A happier life, a healthier life. Um, how do we make it acceptable to find the money to go and see our chiropractor? You know, when, when we go, well, you know, I could probably get by another week. Well, then it became acceptable to get by another week versus when did it become acceptable to say, you know what, getting by is not acceptable to me anymore. Having a great, healthy life is that's what's acceptable once that becomes acceptable, that becomes inevitable too, good or bad. So that's, you know, that's the second phase of that. Right. You know, and then I, I hate that law that you have because um, I hear it all the time. Like I said, so, you know, me and Bob, I've known Bob for years. And, um, and I, I still hear that whatever is acceptable is inevitable. I'm like, oh, okay, I got to do it. Um, and the kids hate that too because whatever is acceptable is inevitable. Oh gosh, why are you saying that again? But the interesting thing is they and I will grumble and do the things that I'm supposed to do because it's not acceptable. And, um, and I don't want it to become inevitable. 
So that's that's awesome. So how do you you break that pattern for somebody that that's sitting there and let's say they've just lost a loved one and they're they're th and one you mentioned before you've got you've got to have permission to feel because that's you don't ignore it. Yeah. But how do you you know when you're feeling real bad it's really hard to, to dream and we lose our vision yeah. right how do you how do you get your clients to tap into that first step yeah i, I think one of the first things is like like you said I, I i try and give people permission to feel um you know when i lost my daughter i gave my, myself permission to feel that um, a lot of people just want to gloss over it or try and you know get past it as quick as possible. I don't want to get past it. I want to work through it so that I grow in the process. Um, so what I did was I, I allowed myself to feel, um, and, but I set a time limit on it. I think that was the important thing. I didn't go, okay, I'm going to allow myself to feel miserable for the next six months and just weep in a corner and pull up in a fetal position. What I did was I said, you know, I'm going to allow myself right now. I'm feeling kind of overwhelmed and stressed and and frustrated that my daughter's no longer here. Um, so I'm going to allow myself to weep. I'm going to allow myself to feel that for 30 minutes or an hour or 15 minutes or whatever it was. But then as soon as I said that, now I had a time. So as soon as that 15 minutes was up, 30 minutes, and there were times that I literally set a clock to make sure that I got out of that. Then I changed my state. I said, okay, I set the, I allowed myself to feel, I set the time. As soon as that time was up, I went and did something for someone else, carry in their garbage cans, go in and pick up trash or help somebody carry stuff out from the grocery store. Whatever it was to take my eyes off of me, put it on someone else, that helped me change my state. Only every time was our friend Glenn Morshaw. <laughs> so only every time did it help me change my state. Now, it's kind of like bathing. You know, Zig Ziglar says, is motivation work? You know, it's kind of like baby you can't just do it once you got to keep doing it well same thing with this i mean it's not something that you just do once you go okay well now i feel great and i never have that negative feeling again. i might have that same negative feeling an hour from then but what i'm doing is i'm building a muscle like you talk about too building that muscle so that the next time it gets a little bit easier and a little bit easier and a little bit easier you don't go to the gym and lift 300 pounds never being good at the gym but you can get to there and once you get there, then you can go beyond the 300 pounds. But you have to get there first and build the muscle. Wow. So that, that's, that is profound stuff. And like I said, I'm really good at, at setting people up for, for breaking more chronic stress. It's, it's, it's like I said, that acute stuff. When, something, when everything seems to hit you out of left field, these are the tools that you need to have to come back on. And there's one more thing I want you to talk about. Like, you know, I had mentioned earlier about the uh, Jim Rohn's quote about you're the average of the five people that you hang around with. Yeah. And I know you are a huge advocate on, um, on your environment. In fact, I'll give, you, I'll give you a quick plug over here. So Bob created Next Level by Association. We're, are we in year nine now? We're going in nine, yeah. So, actually, you're here. I, I want you to tell tell everybody what about uh, Next Level Associ by Association and how that was born. 
Next Level Bay Association was really created as an intentional peer group. Um, it's become known as the support group for overachievers. Yeah. Uh, and as, as uh, one of our members uh, called it. But, you know, I think one of the, the key things was I was at your office. I was speaking. Uh, at the end of, you always have an offer to make, you know, to make a presentation at the end. And um, I hadn't really created one. But during, during the day, I had mentioned several people that I associate with people that are influencers to me and people that, uh, you know, are influencers to thousands of people, millions of people, some of them, um, like a guy like Les Brown or Keith Ferrazzi who wrote Never Eat Alone, Who's Got Your Back, or Kasim Osgood, three-time football player in the NFL, or Gary Goldstein, producer of Pretty Woman. I mean, you know, these people have become friends of mine over the years. And um, so I had mentioned some of these people in, in some of my stories throughout the day. And at the end of the day, I said, well, you know, how many of you guys would like to have like dinner, like once a month with like one of those people? Like where you sit down, you have dinner there. They're not there to speak. They're there to kind of share their life story and you can get to know them up close and personal. It's not a seminar. It's not a thousand people. It's, you know, 25, 30, 35 people. And they're like, yeah. And I said, okay, well, we don't want a bunch of people showing up, vomiting all over each other. So we, we kind of created the tagline networking for amateurs, connecting yes. for professionals. So we said, okay, well, you know, we, we got to make it so like it's, it's not just, you know, you show up, you pay 20 bucks and you're in. You got to be invited. Um, so a member has got to be able to invite you. And um, so we're like, okay. And so some people say, yes. And uh, okay, how about instead of it being 25 bucks or 30, how about if we make it a couple hundred bucks where people are vested to be there? And then they've got to make a, a 12 month commitment minimum because we don't want people just bouncing in and bouncing out. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I said, okay, if I start that. You guys come in? And they said, yes. And we started that. Uh, that was in like October, November. And we started in January 1. And it's been that way ever since. So we've had a guest of honor every month. Um, Almost every month has been a different guest of honor over the last eight and a half years, nine years. And um, pretty fascinating to watch the growth of people, um, but really the focus of really developing relationship currency within a group um, that's intentionally there to raise the bar personally and professionally for each of us. Yeah, and I, I ask you to, to explain a little bit about that, not just as a plug uh, for you, but to kind of show how, how important it is the people that you hang around with and you associate with it. So like Bob was saying, was it's an intentional peer group because most of the time we're kind of thrown together. You know, if you think about your friends, you didn't go out and choose them. I mean, you'll have certain things in common, but like this group, you know, let me reiterate too is, when Bob talks about the people that, he, that he's dealing with, you know, some very well-known, um, it's not just to drop names. I mean, they're just people, but they have a compelling story. And when, like, Next Level by Association, these are people that are, we're trying to get through something. And it's a, like I said, a support group. When you get to sit knee-to-knee and toe-to-toe with somebody and – and they're telling you, going, okay, well, this is the real story, and this is how it happened, and here's the nuances about how I got where I got, or how I overcame this, or how I started this foundation. It's it's inspiring because life beats us down. 
you know, like I said, we, you get up there and there's, there's traffic and there's more reports on your desk than you want to deal with. The kids are a little louder on this and school calls and vacation and you miss flights and, and shit happens. But when you have that support group, you know, most people, they go to the water cooler at work and they go, oh, you want to talk about how bad you are? Well, you know what? That happened to me too. And you're talking about all the negative, stressful stuff. So you're reinforcing that in your brain. Yeah. If you don't choose your peer group, if you don't have a place like Next Level to go where you can say, yeah, I'm having, I had this problem. And then the people go, yeah, that sounds like life. What are you going to do about it? Right. And then you have a different conversation. And that different conversation leads to different questions. Different questions are going to lead to different actions. Different actions are going to lead to different results. Right. So when people are in acute or chronic stress, who's your support group? Yeah. And uh, I, I think we both agree, um, without trying to piss off anybody, I mean, we'll piss them off anyways, but... Yeah, let's do that. Uh, yeah, but a lot of support groups, they're just long-term bitch sessions that keep people in the same mindset. I agree. And, I agree. Um, and people need to have a different... Like, like I said, you should feel if there's grief support groups, I think they're healthy. Uh, you know, all, all these other things, addictions and things like that, feel it, share something in common. But like, like you said earlier, you've got to grow through it, not right. go through it. Right, right. So um, when, when you have somebody in acute stress on there, and then after you're done and you've kind of you take them out of flaming stress and now it's just smoldering what's your next instructions for them to do uh you know I, I help them look at the root cause so like one of the next level pillars that i teach is um unfulfilled expectations lead to anger bitterness resentment frustration and overwhelm and when we realize what the root of our anger our bitterness or our resentment or our frustration or our overwhelm is it makes us able to deal with it unfortunately we're, we're, we're taught that it's not our fault we're taught that, you know, it's just the way life goes. We've got all these cliches that really, they really, what they do is they serve against us because what they teach us is that if it's not our fault, then we have no responsibility and no ability to change it versus I would rather be told it's hundred percent your fault. Now, what are you going to do about it? Because that gives me, if I, it's my fault, then that means I can change it. If it's your fault, I can't change that. So it empowers us when we accept the responsibility and when we're taught that. Unfortunately, most people aren't taught that. You know, Dr. Viktor Frankl, who, was, who wrote Insert, Man's Search for Meaning, his grandson and I were having a, a conversation one day, amazing guy named Alex, and, and Alex and I were talking about how, how he spoke at San Quentin and he told the prisoners that it was their fault. And the prisoners were like, and so many, he said they got so many responses from people saying thank you and that they appreciated and, um, and I said, you know, do you think that that's because for once they finally felt empowered that if it was their fault, they could actually do something about it? And he goes, it's a great point. And I, I really believe that I can't talk to Dr. Frankel, but I would, if I could, I'm sure that he would say, yes, I gave them the power back versus it wasn't society's fault. They had, it wasn't their parents' fault. It wasn't their upbringing. It was their fault. And that empowered them to do something about it. And I think when we get to that point where we say, it's my fault, here's what I need to do about it, here's what, here's what happened. 
I became angry, bitter, resentful, frustrated because I expected my wife not to cheat on me, but she did. I became angry and bitter, not because she cheated, but because I had an unfulfilled expectation. Um, I, you know, whatever it is, look at your anger, bitterness, resentment, frustration, overwhelm, and then say, what was I expecting that didn't occur? You'll always find that there was a unfulfilled expectation that was not met, and that's what leading to that. If we can get people to start looking at those those clues, you know, success lead clues, well, so does depression, right? So does happiness. All of those things leave clues. What are the clues? We start, we start looking at those, identifying them, and then we can begin to replicate them at will. It's kind of a rinse and repeat. And we can do that at will once we understand the process. Wow. And, you know, it's funny with the, that mindset. So, you know, I teach the, the same principles that are going to take somebody that's stressed and unhealthy. If you continue doing them, it's also going to bring you into health, fitness, and optimum living. The same thing is if you take these same principles when you're in stress, in acute stress of, you know, making sure your desire to overcome it is bigger than your desire to stay the same, the uh, law of acceptability that you have to feel through it, grow through it, and then get a group of people to, to go through that and feel empowered to the point it's, you take those same things at the same stage of each life, your mental aspects going to carry you you through. Yeah. And um, it's it's really interesting. You know, people talk about you know the the foods that cure you are the ones that keep you healthy. The you know, exercising a little is going to stop depression. And we're so focused on our symptoms and our thing that as soon as we stop doing them or we stop feeling that bad or it slows down, like I said, from a fire to a simmer, a lot of people stop. Yeah. Have you noticed that when, when you're dealing with people? Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, when, when the fire's on, you know, the water boils. Um, even if it's on a slow, slow simmer, at some point it gets hot enough. It hits that 212 and it gets hot enough. A lot of people constantly self-medicate or, or or just put enough uh cool water in it to keep the water from ever boiling and therefore they never get the result it's the same thing with with you know what you and i do we help somebody and they come in and they go okay i'm not in pain anymore and then they stop coming well but they're not healed they're not yeah. fixed. and you know it's the same thing with me people go, okay good I, I think i can get over this now that's not the process that's not what you want but sometimes that's what they want right then. And we have to let them do that, unfortunately. But at the same time, um, it's, it's that cooling off process. We, we tend to take our foot off the pedal um, and we, we stop getting the results we want. It happens with entrepreneurs. They go out, they make a lot of sales calls. Their sales are going, things are going great. And then what? Well, then they get busy and they stop making the sales calls. And, they, and all of a sudden their business drops like this. And then they go, what, 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 what happened? Well, what were you doing when it was working so well? Well, I was making this many sales calls. I was going to this many networking units. I had a sale. I had a coach. I had a. I had a chiropractor keeping me fit, keeping me in shape. Keeping. I had a, a personal trainer. You have those now? No, I don't have those anymore. Well, do you see a correlation? No, no. Now I'm just so busy, and I, I'm not getting productive. We. That's where we come in. We've got to hold their feet to the fire to say, no, no, no. It's not about just getting out of pain. It's about getting healed. It's not about just not 
having to think about the stress in our lives anymore. It's about learning how to deal with it effectively and create a sustainable approach to that so that as it occurs, you can do it again and again and again. Yeah, you know, you know what's interesting about that? So in, what, in 2007, 2008, when the, the financial sure. went crazy, so my practice changed a lot. You know, I'm in Yorba Linda, which is a fairly affluent community. And, um, you know, I get some people that see me on a wellness basis. And then I see some people that I call dabblers. They, they kind of come in, you know, this hurt. And they're kind of using me as a uh, you know, Band-Aid sure. you know, handful of times throughout the year. And then I have the people that um, I'm their primary care. They're, they're taking care of themselves. They're making sure they're always adjust. They, they kind of get it. The practice changed so much that the, the middle class changed. They either made the decision to hold on to some of their money and put up to pain, pain, and they came in, they just kind of just pain relief, just barely getting by. And then we had other people that said, you know what? And most of them were in the financial um, industry. And they decided that they were, they're going, okay, we got probably two or three years of this, and I know I'm going to be going through this. And they stopped focusing on finances in the business because they knew that that was turmoil. And they started focusing on themselves. And this is where I saw a, a bunch of them lose weight, start exercising intensely regularly. They were seeing me quadruple the time that they were before. Uh, they were doing mindset stuff. They were doing seminars on, uh, you know, our uh, friend Troy Hoffman said, you know, that he spent more money on personal development when he didn't have any money and he was feeling yep. terrible. And, you know, yep. he's done pretty good. But it was the same thing. And these people, they said, I'm going to focus on me. Better because I can't do anything about finances. I can manage my losses. Five years later, these people have, you know, doubled, tripled, quadrupled, not only their net income, but their quality and their um, the way that they live in life. And those people that are dabbling, some of them, they're just, they're not doing well at all because they've been devastated. I mean, physically, they never got out of that, that loop of blah. Yeah. So, yeah. It was just very interesting on those. So I want to be respectful of your time for now, but I want, um, if, so if someone's listening to this, how can they follow up with you uh, and kind of get in touch with what you're doing? Because I'm sure you're resonating with a lot of people out there and they're going, yeah, this Bob guy sounds like he's got some stuff. I want to hear more. Where can they find you? Yeah, I think the best way, they, they can do it a couple of different ways. One, they can go to the website, everythingnextlevel.com, everythingnextlevel.com. Or they can, um, they can shoot me a text. I mean, your listeners are welcome to, to shoot me a text at 949-542-6398, 949-542-6398. And uh, I'll be more than happy to respond. And, uh, you know, anybody who wants, I'll give them a 30-minute breakthrough session. Maybe you're dealing with something right now or you just know that you need to be prepared for some things happening in your life. Um, or maybe you just know that you're doing great, but you could even do better. Uh, I'll give you 30 minutes and uh, no charge, no obligation, but um, we'll spend 30 minutes doing a breakthrough with you. 
and helping you get to your next level personally and professionally. Wow. Courtesy of Dr. Janishak. Yeah, so just put in the Conquering Stress podcast or mention, mention that because I know that um, – I, I know your schedule. So, um, so first of all, that's – <laughs> you know that that's about a twelve hundred dollar value. So I appreciate that. Um, and yeah, I highly recommend anybody out there going out there and uh, contacting Bob and and just take it out and you know it's it's funny. You know, Bob was talking about where that he was speaking at my office because I do a lot of seminars there. I, I like to teach and and I don't teach this, so I have you know. Bob and some other great experts come and speak to my patients and the community. And uh, I, I tell everyone that story because, you know, they're going, who's Bob now? Why, and why, is he, why should I go there? And I tell the story, I don't remember if it was the first or the second time you were over there. And it was magical. The, the whole room was packed. We must have had 50 people or yeah, 50. it was packed. And, um, People are standing up, and Bob's doing these, this breakthrough. And and I watched the first couple. I'm going, oh my God, Bob brought shills in here. That what the hell's that about? <laughs> and then I was sitting in the corner, and I have a pillar in the middle of my office because my office had expanded from the other one. And I heard this voice, and there's a man's voice, and he starts talking. And then I hear this crying. And then I look around. I'm like. Oh my God. And it was somebody that I had invited that had never met you before. I'm going, he's crying too. And he's just going through like it. It was, like I said, that was a magical day. And um, every one of those people still to this day remember that moment where they got to talk to you and they, they go, I don't know how he does that. And he, he it's just the, the process that I think you subconsciously, do it's sort of like I, I walk down the mall the mall and i'll watch people's walk and i can see their posture and i'm gonna ah, they're backwards like that i know you do that with language and in, in people's situation and it it's just magical and i think one of the things that our friend wesley goo who used to was the front man for uh tony robbins which was probably the hugest compliment i've ever heard said bob is a most masterful person I've ever seen at changing somebody's life so quick. And this is somebody that was the front man for Tony. Yeah. So, um, so I appreciate the, uh, the 30 minutes that you're giving to somebody. So if you guys, if you guys have something you want to talk about or something that's mulling around in your mind right now, um, I highly recommend you go on the website, but definitely talk, talk to Bob um, because they don't have to be, Local. We're in Southern California. Yeah, I do video chat everywhere, all over the world. Yeah, isn't technology great? Yeah, it's awesome. So life is good. So with that, we're going to peace out. Bob, I really appreciate you hanging out and being on. And uh, this is Dr. Bill Janishak with the Conquering Stress Podcast. Until next time, don't forget to like. And uh, I want you guys to share this. I want you to share all the episodes, but this one – is going to be especially good because like I said, we all go through these acute things and this can help anybody and it costs you nothing to click and share to the loved one or a friend. All right. Until next time, we'll see you.